0: Hi, this is Paul Frields, one of the hosts of The Practical Base Show. And before the show starts in earnest, I just wanted to let you know, whether you're a current listener, a longtime listener, or just starting the show, there's some valuable information at the end. So I hope you'll listen through to that and, uh, and pick up on some news and some tips at the end of the show on how you can get involved in the Practical base community and also uh, how you can maybe give back to the base community and also some, some feedback to us, the show creators, on the work that we've done so far. So I hope that you'll stick around and, and give a listen there and pay attention to the note and uh, hopefully we will hear from you very soon. In the meantime, let's start the show. Please listen carefully. Welcome to Practical Bass, where each week my co-host Dave Guzman and I take a topic of interest to you, the working bass player, and we kind of dissect it, look at it from a bunch of different angles, and offer a bit of our experience and advice to help elevate your gigs and gear to the next level. All throughout 2017, we've been looking at all sorts of issues, from being better organized to how to run different pieces of gear, like a compressor or a DI box to choosing your equipment and choosing the strategies that you use for equipment, Um, things like how you set up your sound, um, how you can travel lighter, looking at a lot of the issues that each of us as a bass player faces uh, for every rehearsal and every gig that we do, and trying to offer some sanity around that and some ways to cut through the noise that you hear constantly on the internet. Um, We've tried to do that throughout 2017. We've had about three dozen or so episodes to... Kind of take you through uh, our thoughts on a lot of these topics, and I thought maybe we'd spend a little bit of time looking back at some of the episodes that Dave and I really enjoyed making, some of the ones where we learned a little bit ourselves, and uh, hopefully could pass on some nuggets of wisdom to the rest of the BASE community. I thought maybe I'd start by looking at one of uh, my favorite episodes, and Dave's as well, which was about how to use a compressor. Um, the episode came out of Dave, basically had he had recently gone through the process of buying a compressor pedal and was looking for some clarity around all the factors that are involved with compression. Um, you know how to run the thing. You know once you've got it, you know, what to be looking for in terms of features and uh, and how how to basically integrate that into your setup. And uh let's listen back to that episode and and hear a little bit about our discussion. That's all I got. That's all I got, Dave. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, but a lot of pedals and units like the one that you just got, right? Or the MXR that I used to have or yeah. my or my mark-based um pedal that I have now, they've got multiple controls. Yep. Right. And so, you know, you mentioned a few, a few of the the controls on yours. And, you know, one of those is yeah. threshold. Right. And threshold basically, think about that as the the, the level of volume that it takes for the compressor to decide to turn on, right? Like okay. the threshold is where the compressor is going to start working. Yep. Like until the signal gets above that level, the compressor is not going to do anything, yep. right? So if you turn the threshold very far up, so and remember, you know, when we talk about threshold, we're basically talking about from zero dB, which is as loud as things can get in okay. terms of that signal, right. downward, right? So everything's on, Uh goes minus from there. So like you'll have minus five, minus 10, minus 20 dB, right? right, Okay. Zero is as far as you can go because that's all, that means all the way, right? Right. There is no 11 on this guy. There is no 11. That's right. There's no plus one, right? Right. So at least there's not with, with a lot of them, but you know, so as you turn that, that threshold down, what you're saying is you want the trigger to come earlier and earlier in that signal, right? On like the volume level. Yeah, so the volume doesn't have to come up quite as much for the compressor to start, right? Okay. So you have to, you want to pick that because maybe you don't want to compress things that are very, very low volume, but what you do want to do is you want to grab things that are just really out of control. So if you're so if you set it at 0 then you're not really compressing much. That's right? pretty much the case yes, if there's very little zero. squash. Yeah, if you set it to 0, it's the compressor will probably never turn on. Okay, at I got that you. Point. Right, right. So then you turn it down to taste. Yep, right? So, you know, that so it's also affected by how loud your bass is to start with, right? Is going to yeah. determine where you set that threshold. So you have to use your ear a little bit um and sometimes the the compressors will have like an indicator light on them or a meter of some sort. Yep. And you can also look at that, right? So you're going to be watching that throughout as you as you play with it to see, yeah, is it turning on or not? Sometimes right. it's just one light, and sometimes you get like a whole meter of lights. Okay. Um. So then you've got another setting which is important called ratio, and I think for yours it's called slope. That's right. And what the ratio means is how much should the compressor clamp down on that volume after you pass the threshold, right? And it's a ratio. Hmm. And so what it means is if that ratio is all the way off, like some, some compressors, they'll let you turn the ratio all the way down to one, which is the lowest, which means one to one, which means it's not compressing anything. Right. Just like having the threshold to zero, it means basically you're not doing anything. Okay. As you turn the ratio up, it changes the rate at which the signal has to go up in order for the compressor to allow it to go up a set amount. So let me see if I can. That okay. sounds really weird,
1: but let me see if I can. Paint we're getting the there. Yeah, we're. we're. <laughs> we're zeroing in. I can yeah. g- feel the plane like circling around. It's it's coming it's there
0: going to bring it in for a landing.
1: So. Because there is an infinity sign in
0: there that <laughs> There is an infinity. We sign did ultimately again. bring that plane in for a landing and we talked about some of the other controls that you can find on full featured compressors. And I invite you to go look that up in our archives. I believe that was episode 12. Uh, We also did an episode right after that on broadening genres. So it shows you how we kind of skip around in this podcast from topics that are gear-related to topics that are maybe a little more concept-related or practice-related and more about how you develop as a player. Um, So let's listen into a bit of our conversation on broadening genres. I feel like
1: there's a, a few pieces that that it adds value to, and one is, you know, if you're really looking at a specific genre, let's say that you're playing, uh, you know, a certain area of funk, um, and you, c- you know, if if I dive into it and if I really explore it and I really learn, I get deeper into it. When I'm at the gig, or if I'm at the recording session, or if I'm, you know, just playing with 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 musicians, if I, I feel like if I know that genre deeper, I'm I'm avoiding the whole like fake it till you make it thing. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, sometimes you do have to go that route, but you know, if someone calls out a genre or says, you know, this is what I'm looking for in this song, and to be able to have that in your back pocket, like, right? Okay, I, you know, it's not just like the one five, but there are other things that I can do with this right i think that's one of the the bigger values it, it just becomes more believable um and you can you know add to that now uh, on the other side of that is that if you're writing baselines i feel like it'll really help you fuse different styles and genres that maybe weren't even supposed to be you know they're they're just so far apart from each other yeah yeah. Um, but if you can do it delicately, like, because if you know the genre well enough, you know, sort of those tiny little things that make it that right. style. Right. And you could just peel apart little pieces and then add it in. Yeah. And that creates sort of like a, a you know, somewhat of like a juxtaposition in terms of style and
0: texture, almost like genre bending.
1: You yeah. Know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not, so not to drop names or anything, but so there was a, a, Group That I was working with some years ago um, before they moved to Nashville, um, the Hummingbirds, and there was a song that they were working on at the time. I honestly can't remember the title, um, but I I really enjoyed the song. Mm -hmm. And I remember that the drummer and I at one point, you know, we're working on building up an arrangement. Right. And... We had kind of this feel that, you know, when they brought it in, it was very, you know, straight ahead, kind of acoustic folk. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like, I don't know, like Graham Parsons kind of thing. And yep. we sort of brought in this, it was almost like kind of a, a bossa nova feel, not over the top, like straight, you know, in the genre, but just there was a certain yeah. inflection to the way that we played through the bar. Yeah. And completely. Changed the way that everyone was executing the song and just gave it just a little lift. Uh, You know, it wasn't anything that we planned, but being able to call on that, on that difference, just sort of like it lifted it up and it made it unique. Oh, it's not just another, you know, straight ahead. Acoustic folk, it was like there was a difference to it, and and it was really a lot of fun. Yeah, because when you from a listener, so that was a little bit from our episode number thirteen, which was about broadening genres. Dave and I have also done some episodes that, rather than focusing on some positive advice about what to do or how to use gear, sometimes we've talked about maybe some prescriptive advice. So, you know, maybe things not to do or things to avoid and a good example of that is our episode number 15 which was about stage behaviors that we've both seen bands practice on stage that kind of detract from the show uh, and also sometimes experienced ourselves or even engaged in ourselves and kind of grown out of as we've learned more about how to be performers And so I'm going to pass on a little bit of that. Uh, Here's a couple excerpts from our episode number 15 on 10 stage mistakes to avoid. (laughs) People know we've got like that was number one. Yeah, point number. I love it. Point number one.
1: Um, So, so tell me, what was your, you know, what what was a big. Habit that you had to break
0: on stage. Probably like if this was family feud, I'm pretty sure that between you and me, these would literally be the top answers where they're like, survey says, (laughs) and like the board turns over. (laughs) Like you have one of them. I I don't know whether it's number one or number two, but you're one of them. Mine is the other one, noodling, (laughs) noodling on stage.
1: Ah, the noodling.
0: (laughs) Where you get on stage and in between, whether it's, you know, you're getting ready to play or sound check is done or whatever, or you're in, oh God forbid, in between songs. Right. Uh, I know I was guilty of that. Um, You know, being on stage and fooling around, just playing notes that everybody else can hear. Yeah. There's no need for them to, Yeah. right? Like this is, this is definitely one of those things that you can always separate the professionals. Right. From the amateurs and below is that, you know, when you go on stage you are, you're playing at sound Yeah, right? That's right. You're doing just enough to make sure you get your, you know, your sound dialed in the way that it should be. Yep. And, uh, you know, maybe you're working with somebody in your band who's the sound man. Maybe you're working with a professional sound man. You know, hopefully you're, you know, you're at some gigs where, where you're able to, to, to do that and kind of experience that, but you know, you're, you're working on their time as well. And so you, you know, you need to be present and doing the things that you need to for you know that sound man so, yeah. but then so when you're like, done yeah, I mean, as far as, done, far as, a, as right, a pet right. peeve what but is not on stage what's our point number four of behaviors to avoid
1: uh yeah i think from i i think it's the the stage banter excessively so right? like there's like an art to it yeah this whole thing which i could never I, i'm not great at it right but there is this thing about Being on stage and telling side jokes sometimes that are, that just include the band only, right? Like there's inside jokes that sometimes musicians will tell each other. Yeah. Like the rest of the audience shouldn't understand what that was. Right. Whatever that joke is like, blah, blah, blah nobody understands what blase blah is. Like
0: you're, you're hearkening back to the thing that happened in the van last night on the way to right. the venue. Nobody,
1: whatever. nobody cares, nobody knows, It has no impact and, and then you have like the side jokes and the whole thing of like speaking off of the mic so and. Point number five not- and I
0: remember, I can remember this well as, uh, you know, from my from my past right. also, which is um, undercutting the team right, um Music is a, like I said, it's a conversation. Yep. It's also teamwork, right? The band is a team, the ensemble is a team. Yeah. And the audience ought to see nothing but unity between right. the folks who are on stage. And so, you know, like, absolutely one of the worst behaviors that you'll see is a band where people are grumbling at each other, you know, dirty looks. They're making comments about each other. And again, in a bigger venue, you may not be able to catch all of that, but there is a vibe that comes from it. Right. And again, what we're talking about is like, you know, at the, at the, the levels below those big stages where you're trying to work your way up and be a professional that people are going to call again, right? You don't, you definitely don't want to be in the situation where you are giving back negative vibes. Right. to the people that you're working with, even if like right. it's a gig that you turn out to, like it turns out to be terrible. Like you show up, everything's wrong. You know, everything has gone wrong. You yeah. Know, maybe you've had a bad day with your your significant other or spouse or whatever, or at your job, if you work a day job, you know, you might be bringing that with you. There might be things that have gone wrong in the prep. Somebody might've ticked you off yeah. in the band or, you know, they maybe they're not treating you well but the thing is you never profit by taking the low road right so right. like taking the high road and just not don't contribute to any sort of negative vibe like that just it's a team if if something happens smile and shake it off and realize you know what yep. the grand cosmos it's That's right. it's, it's yeah. meaningless just let it go yeah yeah we talk a lot about the grand scheme of things On practical base, I think if you've listened for a while, you know that um, Dave and I do like to, we like to talk small, but think big. So we try and concentrate on details and, you know, maybe through that help you have a bigger career. Here's an excerpt from our episode on traveling light. Um, Dave and I really enjoy being bass players nowadays and not having the heaviest gear. Uh, anymore, unless you really choose to, uh, that's really fantastic. And this is an episode where we talked about really a lot of the benefits of traveling light, also some of the drawbacks. But you know, concentrating on maybe the pro side, here is where we were talking about some of those benefits. Let's listen in. So uh, yeah, sorry. So I I broke in about the the mono bags, but you asked about like what yes. are some of the some, some of the ben- benefits? Like what what do we get out of you know yeah traveling light i mean honestly one one thing that i love is i just love the fact that i can drive my little car my own car right, right. now i have a boring car i mean people there're going to be people out there going to laugh at me but uh, you know i'm a i'm a mid-sized sedan guy mm-hmm. that's my that's my thing <laughs> hey you know i mean, hey. i'm not going to lie. i'm married i've got yeah. two kids you know occasionally we you know we're out doing family stuff and, you know, I love having a van and stuff that I can get all the band gear in. Yep. But let me tell you, if I don't have to drive that thing and I can drive my little sports sedan. It's huge. I love that. Yeah. So just being able to throw my cabinet in the trunk. Yeah. And my base in the back seat with a couple, you know, a couple items in the back and then take off. Oh, it's the best I, because I, I like driving. Mm-hmm. I honestly like it. And I like driving my car. And so not having to drive like the big behemoth van yeah. is just, it It's it just adds a little bit of luxury and comfort yeah. to going to the gig and coming back from the gig.
1: Right. There's actually a commercial in there like Traveling Light and the guy does loads have, his car in. Does it have Matthew
0: McConaughey in? Yeah, of course awesome. it has Matthew McConaughey.
1: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. And then, and then, you just drive West yeah, and you never stop. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you pass the gig, you just keep driving. And <laughs> suddenly I was in Seattle. I don't know what happened, honey, yeah. but that's where I am right now. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have to remember so much. Like right. I, I know I came in with the following four or five things. I leave with those four or five things.
1: Right. Quick cleanup. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. And, you know, if it's a gig where, uh, you know, if I'm just coming in and, you know, kind of doing my thing, I'm not like, hey, it's not my band or whatever. Like I'm coming to yeah. do my thing. Like I can, right. you know, after I get done, you know, checking with the MD or checking with whoever's in charge, yep. just you know, whether it's collecting pay or just, you know, exchanging numbers yep. or doing whatever I need to do, Right. So, you know, sometimes there's like the meet and greets that you do afterwards. On the other hand, there's some gigs where you don't do that, like you're you are supposed to kind of fade away yeah. and being able to just do that quickly, get your stuff together and get out is great.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. What about, what about you? I mean, what's, what are the benefits that you kind of internalize and.
1: Yeah, I find? think, you know, definitely. I mean, there's, there's a part of it that just straight up just feeds my obsession to minimize like that. You said it was a it's, sickness. It's a little bit of a sickness. It's definitely therapeutic for me, but. Putting that aside, like, I really feel like what it does is it helps simplify the, like, on the front end, it helps simplify the the load-in, and it helps keep my mind clear. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I know I've got A, B, C, D, and E to do. It's the same thing that, you know, that's in my, my gig bag. I do, you know, these certain steps, and that's all I have to focus on. Which allows me time to put focus on putting out any, possibly any fires, you know, for the band. If there's things that right. kind of pop up, maybe doing sound check or whatever, you know, maybe helping my bandmates load in their stuff. Yeah. Um,
0: like you're not, basically you're not spending a huge amount of time worrying about, you know, all these extraneous pieces. So, you know, you're like one load and you're done. And then you come out and like, Hey, I can help you with your drums.
1: Yeah. I load in, set up. Boom, maybe the manager of wherever like somebody needs to work with the manager, I can yeah. be that person. Yeah. I can be helpful there. Right. Um, or maybe just talking with like, you know, the the crowd or the fans, I guess we you know, the people that came to see the band. It gives me time to do that. Um it, it, but even if not, if if for none of those other things and it gives me time just to like settle in to the gig. Yeah. Versus like figuring out all the gear stuff, right? right?
0: Or, or bringing like five loads of stuff in, and now you're all like sweaty and you're
1: something, right? <laughs> right. You, did you bring a change of clothes also? Yeah, like yeah. all that, um, you know, and then of course, hey, it's good for the
0: environment, you can carpool, that's right, that's right, yeah, you I can mean, bring a friend, hey, I mean, you do want to be earth friendly, so that's right, cat, you know, kind of tooling over to somebody's house, and you grab one or two other guys and their small bits of gear. Right. It's Yeah. It's great when you can do that. That's right. So hopefully this has given you a little taste of what practical base has to offer. Uh, we do pride ourselves on um, bringing some good advice and some uh, objective viewpoints on how to bring your best self, to bring your best knowledge and your best skills to every gig um, and to know how to, you know, tame your gear and make it useful for whatever gigs and rehearsals that you need to do as a working bass player. I hope you've enjoyed this little retrospective. On behalf of my co-host Dave Guzman and myself, I really want to thank you for listening. I hope that you will check out the website if you haven't already done that at practicalbass.com. We also have a Facebook group, And if you just look for Practical Bass, you can find us there and join up with a bunch of other bass players who are getting into the swing of these podcasts and a really helpful community that's all about boosting each other up and offering each other good advice, asking questions, getting answers. Um, We hope to see you there. And if you have suggestions for topics, we would love to hear them. We are getting a roster ready for the 2018 season of Practical Base and we would love to have your input on it. The best way to do that is to get in touch with us on our Facebook group. And you can also email us directly if you need to at podcast at practicalbass.com. Dave and I do read that email. We don't necessarily get a chance to respond to everything right away, but we will see your email and we do try and get back to everybody as soon as time allows. So we encourage you to get back to us there. And the best thing you can do is really to subscribe and to share this podcast. You can subscribe just by going to the links that we offer at our practicalbase.com website. There's a subscribe link. Just hit it, and it gives you instructions for every platform, whether you're on Windows or Mac OS or an Apple iOS device or an Android device. We've got instructions for everybody that are very easy to follow. And we also hope that you'll share this with your fellow bass players and even other musicians. We don't cover topics that are always 100% exclusive to bass players. And so if you find a podcast that you think someone else could benefit from listening to, please do pass it on to them and you know share these with the groups that you're a part of. Share them on social media. It's a good way to help us keep going into the new year. This marks the end of the 2017 season for Practical Base. We will return in 2018 in the spring with a brand new set of episodes, and we really look forward to talking with you then. Until then, uh, I hope that you have wonderful gigs and that you have the best gear that Santa can bring you over the holidays, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. So on behalf of Dave and myself, keep it low. we